Well, if you have your Bible today, uh, I want you to go to two chapters in your Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 and also Romans 12. You can put a marker there. And we'll go back and forth and I have some other scriptures. And uh, by the way, how, weren't you really, really just super blessed in the last month, all, this, all, the, all the speakers that we have from uh, you know, uh, Patrick Rodriguez coming to share with us all the way from South Africa, uh, Pastor Dan Yakely, that powerful message on the, the last Wednesday slash Hurricane Thursday meeting uh, that we had. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, please go and listen to it. And of course, this last week, I found out that you can actually stand on these things. <laughs> Everybody wave at Ben. He's in the back, you know. Didn't Ben do an incredible job last week? It's so great sharing that message with us where we needed that reminder that relationships matter and boy, stepping in uh, to this season where we're really getting plugged in. You're like, uh, don't hurt yourself. I, I, listen, uh, I've got, I may come out there later. So um, we're doing an expansion and probably replacing all these chairs anyway. So we step on them anytime, Ben. And, uh, and so, but we've been so blessed by what God had been speaking to us directionally and about vision. And, and I really recognize that, that, that uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, a time where we needed some I am statements, where we needed to say what God was saying. What, not just say what we feel about ourselves or say what others are saying about us. No, we needed to say what God was saying about us. We made some I am statements. I am saved. And, uh, you know, all the men in the house. Really, I, I got more comments that more men are now walking around telling their wives, I am beautiful. <laughs> but this month, I want us to, to kind of make a shift. Just from, from, from personally who you are in Christ to who we are as a people, as a group. And I, I want to share with you some, I, I believe some, maybe some 30,000 foot view today, and then we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper in the weeks to come, about how important it is to say what God is saying about the church. By the way, did you know that God loves the church? I mean, God loves the church so much, he's married to her. In scripture, he says, and by the way, a lot of preachers talk bad about God's wife. That's not a good idea. We actually should celebrate the bride of Christ, encourage the bride of Christ, direct the bride of Christ, and then stand together as the bride of Christ. Now, I made a statement two weeks ago. Hopefully, you'll, you'll get this in your spirit as maybe a piece of wisdom. And that is simply this. Your identity determines your perspective and your purpose. When you, when you embrace an identity, it'll, it'll, it'll give you the lens through which you view your life and the things that you do. So how I see life, my perspective, my purpose is then what I do because of my perspective. And your identity, when God comes along and tells you who you are, you should believe him. So I want you to say this with me uh, after I make this statement, and we're going to drive this home, and, and, and I believe God at the end of the day today is going to give us fresh revelation about not just who you are, but who we are. 
Say this after me. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Come on, let's say it together like second service. We're alive. We are caffeinated fully. Let's say it. We are the body of Christ. Now that statement has a lot of implications. That carries with it a lot. As a matter of fact, it says that you're alive, that you, you're supposed to be moving, that you're supposed to be actively doing something. Now, I believe that what God is speaking to Calvary is that it's time to expand. You know, mostly what people experience on Sunday mornings, we, we don't get that chapter and verse like, okay, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to observe worship and I'm going to observe a message and then I'm just going to go live my life. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but after you get up today, you're chair is not going to thank you for warming it. It's not going to respond at all. I believe God is moving, uh, you know, what has been traditionally an observational church to an influential kingdom. He is moving you from being just a person who thinks maybe I will just, I'll just listen to a few things and maybe I can make some minor adjustments because man, I've got these hangups issues. I've got these spiritual warts that nobody can see, you know, and I'm hoping maybe I just hear something, sing a song and maybe, you know, a few of these warts fall off. That is not what God has intended for you. You are, say it with me, we are the body of Christ. That is something way deeper, something much farther. I know some of us, when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, right? You read the Gospels, and we, we see Jesus manifest in Israel, and we think, oh, just to have been there. Just to have been there. I mean, can you imagine the day, that one day in Nain? Say Nain. Yeah, yeah, it was a day, you know, kind of a sad day in Nain. A mom had lost her only son, and she's crying, and she's hired all the mourners, and they've, 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 they've built all of this funeral procession, and now Jesus walks into Nain, and they're all crying, ah! screaming. And Jesus, in this moment, ruined a perfectly good funeral. <laughs> he comes up and puts his hand on the casket and stops it and raises a boy from the dead. I don't know if it's a streaming device or if it's going to be DVD or maybe it's beta or VHS. I want to watch that video in heaven, okay? I want to watch it. But some of us, we read those stories and we go... Oh, I wish I could have been there. I, could have, I wish I could have been there when Jesus did his southern fish fry. I wish I could have been there that day. That's, you know, feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 15,000 people. And just a few loaves and fish. We go, oh, to have been there. 
And somewhat, what, what we tend to do is then what I will divide the experience of Christ manifest on the earth from the experience of his body, which is living today. And what we do is say, oh man, I wish I could have been there because of what we say, maybe in our minds and in our thoughts and perhaps in the way that we pursue his purpose in our life. It's like we say, well, that was then and now all the world is left with is me. When the truth be told, we are the body of Christ. <laughs> this is so good. Think of this. We as the church, we are the redemptive expression of Jesus' ministry today. Oh man, I know some of you. I know you got saved. You are not the same. You are not the same. And, and the church is proof. It's supposed to be proof to the whole world that Jesus is still buying people back from the slave market of sin, that he brings them out of darkness into light. The body of Christ is saying, Jesus is still ministering. Hey, this is so great. Since we're that expression of redemption, guess what? If you're here today and you say, man, you seem really excited about Jesus. If you were saved, you'd be excited too. If you knew that your sins had been washed and cleansed and now he puts his spirit in you and leads you and guides you and directs you and gives you wisdom, makes you look better than you actually are. Let me just say it, friends, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, and you're saying, I wonder how to connect with God. Here's how you connect with God. Find somebody who's been redeemed by Jesus. Find the church. Find the body. Find the body. You want to be saved? Find the body. And the body will lead you to the one that redeemed them. Oh, this gets so good. When you want to find... Someone who's been touched by Jesus, find the body. When you wonder if there's still a healer, find the body. If you wonder if there's still hope in the world, find the body. You wonder if there's still faith on this planet, find the body. If you wonder, is there still a God who delivers from torment, who delivers from darkness and disease, who delivers from demonic forces, find the body and you will find those who have been ministered to by Christ. And yet, now, God says, you are his body. We are his body. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, beginning in verse 12. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being, uh, being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and having been all made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Notice how many times it says in just these three verses, one, 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 one. He's saying there are going to be, there, there are many, but we're one. Now, why does God over and over again say we're one, we're one, we're one, we're one, just in a few verses? Here's why. For a long time, forever, the church has had problems with unity. Matter of fact, I heard this story about a Christian who got marooned on, on an island and he was there for decades. He lived there alone, by himself. And decades after he had gone missing, he was found. And the people that found him found something very strange. He had built his house, but also on the island, he had built two churches. And they asked him, what in the world? We understand why you built your house. You're living here for decades. But why are there two churches on this island? He says, well, that one is the church that I go to. And that one is the church I used to go to. Come on, God is saying something to us, guys. He's saying, hey, the problem won't be us you know, in terms of God toward us, it will be us toward one another. We're going to have issues with unity. And here, we have to begin to say what God is saying. Come on, say it with me. We are the body of Christ. Now, let me give you some ideas from this uh, today. Some thoughts. These are high-level thoughts. We're going to drive this deeper as the weeks go but first, I want, I want you to see this. The body is unique, but the same. The body is unique, but the same. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, and notice these words carefully, by the Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. All have been made to drink of one Spirit. I want you to see this. He is introducing here, the, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is introducing here the idea, yes, you're going to have all kinds of background, but... You are one. There will be differences. But what you have in common is greater than your differences. And, and Galatians 3, he says it again to a church that is, is, is trying to lean back into a works mentality instead of leaning into grace. Galatians 3, 27 says, For as many as of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Listen to this. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. By the way, 
Boy, this doesn't fly well in culture, does it? Our culture right now says, no, 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 no. You need to be whatever the most marginalized, isolated group you can be. That's true. You need to be the most marginalized. And I got to tell you, the church should be exactly the opposite of that. Exactly the opposite. Now, the picture here in both passages, 1 Corinthians 12 and Galatians 3, the picture is connected to baptism. It's beautiful. Anybody ever been to one of our baptism services here? Like we do them in the, in the third service. And, when, and I, I would just tell you, if you've never been to one of our baptism services, okay, uh, bring a towel for the people who are getting baptized, okay, because water goes everywhere in here. But uh, you need to bring a lot of hankies. Because what we do is rejoice and cry for an hour and a half. Uh, I, I want you to just look uh, up at the screen for me here. And uh, what's going on right here? Something, it, it is something way more than just water being applied to flesh. This is symbolic of a spiritual truth that's happened. And by the way, I'll just give you a teach a message on the baptisms that are in the body of Christ. There's four really, but three major ones. First, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's the first thing you need to know. That's the first thing that happens when you repent and believe and place faith in what Christ did. Holy Spirit, you don't even know him. You feel him, he's ministering to you, you don't know him yet. He baptizes you into Christ. And then other disciples baptize you in water. As a symbol of what? You're saying, now my life is fully identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I went in one way, and I'm coming out another. I went in full of darkness, and I'm now coming out full of the light of Christ. I'm coming out of that bondage. But then there's another baptism, which we'll talk about in the weeks ahead, where after you now meet Jesus... Holy Spirit introduces you to Jesus and disciples are saying, look like Jesus, totally identify with Jesus. Now Jesus says, I need to introduce you to somebody. And Jesus then baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in just in a couple of weeks. But I want you to understand when the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, you have been made one with many other people of many different backgrounds. Listen to me, church. This is why racism is such a significant sin for the church. Because it is in direct opposition of the revelation of what happened to us corporately. It's in direct. 
he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Listen, we read that, we're like, no big deal. They're like, I'm German, I'm neither one of those. <laughs> no, what it meant was, there's God's covenant people, and then there are those people who were outside of God's saving grace. That's what that means. But he said, in Christ, there's no difference. Do you understand what the Jews would have thought? Matter of fact, there's some modern Christian who has picked up Jewish practices. They picked up Jewish practices and they actually looked down on their other Christian brothers. They're like, why are you not wearing a tallit and carrying around a, a, a ram's horn? Because I'm not Jewish! I don't even know what I am other than Southern. I resist, but there is cornbread in my soul. And what I want to tell you today is that racism is a sin because when you were born again, we as the body of Christ, we were made one. And listen, it says there's neither male nor female. It's not Jew or Greek. It's not slave or free. Your highest identity is I am the body of Christ. I got to tell you, when I went to Ghana a few years ago, there was no white people. None. And I went far. Out there with Pastor Joe, ministering. No white people. Culturally, not a lot in common. There's no Wi-Fi. Oh, I promise you, no cell signal. I was standing next to the yam field. Some of you are like, what's a yam? I don't know. It's a big sweet potato. The culture's different. Everything's different. But when we came into the house of God and began to lift the name of Jesus, that same spirit who baptized us into Christ unified us together. And then when I opened the word, it was like a flood of what was in me went into them. And when they opened the word and they shared, oh, a flood of what was in them came into me. Listen, that is why we as the church, we reject every form of racism. Why? Because our highest identity, has nothing to do with our culture, has nothing to do with who we, where we came from, what country we're from. Listen, when you, if you check us at the lowest common denominator, we are all the same. We were made from the same dirt, held together by the same voice that said, let there be. Now, on the other side of that is another truth. The body is unique, but the same. But the body is the same, but unique. It's the same, but unique. Romans 12, 4 says, so, so as we, we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Everyone say function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, but individually, members of one another. It says, listen, we're one, but we don't all have the same function. Now, 
The word function there means this. It, it means your God-given assignment in the body of Christ. Did you know you have one? And by the way, I've looked, I've searched Genesis to Revelation. Church attender. Not a function. Can you imagine if your kids walked up to you one day? Dad, aren't you proud of me? I'm attending family. What? You're attending family? No, no, no. You are family. You don't attend family. You are the church. You are the body. We are the body. I want to tell you, your function isn't attendance. Your function is a grace that comes on you to impart life and strength to others in the body. Romans 12, 6, you just go on in Romans 12, and it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Oh, no. Pastor, why did you use Romans? I wanted to just sit and receive. I'm reading Romans because you've got to start using the gift that is in you because of the grace of God. Use the gift that's in you. And it says, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion with our faith. Or ministry, some of your versions may say service. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts or in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I'm about to prove to you that most of us, most of us, cannot read the Bible and understand it properly. We think when we see this, that it exempts us from this list of things because we'll just say, well, I don't have the grace to do that. Wrong. You may not have the grace to lead others in this area, but let me just walk you through this list. It says... Uh, let them use it. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. That means to say what God is saying. It's real simple. Acts 2 says, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall... Wow, you guys are really smart. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It says, I'm going to pour it out on all flesh, and all flesh will what? Prophesy. What does that mean? That means that if your gift is prophecy, you may not lead in that area, but as the Lord leads, you could prophesy. I'll, I'll show it to you in a very practical I know some of you want to just throw that away, but let's just keep going. Are you all called to minister? Just by a show of hands, how many of you in here are, are called to minister to other people? I can see where I need to work in here, okay? Okay, we either are liars or we're missing the point. 
No, all of you have a ministry from God. You all have a ministry, but you may not be a leader and an empower and an instructor in that ministry based upon the grace that's on your life. I'll prove it to you again. You don't need the gift of giving in order to give. Otherwise, you'll read this passage, you'll see the offering, and you'll think to yourself, well, I don't have the grace to give because I don't want to. <laughs> you flesh bucket. The Bible isn't self-serving, it's self-denial. That means if you have the grace of giving, that means you will, that you'll have resources, number one, and you will lead in the area of generosity that it causes an overflow of generosity in the others around you. Do you, do you see what the scripture is trying to lead here? It is not saying, hey, some people are exempt from Christian behavior. We're the body. It's saying, hey, some people have a, a divine enablement because of grace to operate in these things at a higher level, which will spur others on to love and good works. We must use our gifts because of grace. And you may not, you know, you may be looking at me here today and go, Pastor, you know, you say I'm in the body, but I feel like an ingrown toenail. <laughs> From the body, I, that's me. Okay. I, I think you've been taking clues from someone other than the Lord. And, and, and if you've never really gone on the journey of discovering your gifts, we want you to do that in Foundations. We're starting another class. If you've never gone through our foundations, it's six weeks of teaching people how to successfully walk with God. And in the middle of it, we'll take you on a journey where you will discover your own giftings and your, your own callings. And, 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 and you'll be like, wow, this is who I am. And I found myself in God's word. And this is how he has created me. And then from foundations, we, get, we have a meeting called launch. And launch is where, where you then take the step of faith and say, now I'm going to start to use it in some meaningful way in a ministry. And we pray over you and send you by the power of the Holy Spirit into that ministry. But do you know where you grow in that grace? In community, in life groups, in connection. And that's why you need to go out today and sign. Because listen, some of you, you have a gift, you're just like walking in really low levels of grace in it. Why? Because you haven't gotten around the other people that have that same gift, but boy, the grace on their life is just huge in that area because of reason of use from, from maybe it's their devotional life or maybe it's some other things that really, they positioned themselves in a way that, that, that could really help you. You don't get those things in isolation. You find them in community. They're fostered in community. And please, please, don't ever make that mistake of thinking of, of, of yourself less than. The scriptures, I, they, they say, hey, they say, this is going to happen. You're, you're going to think to yourself, because I'm not a mouthpiece, I'm a foot. I'm, a, I'm just a foot. You think, I, I'm, not, I'm not jumping in. I'm not going to be a part. Listen, listen, listen to me carefully. Never diminish 
your actual calling in Christ. Never. So one of the greatest ministries in the church is called helps. They don't ever take the stage, but they'll be the first one over at a, uh, uh, over at a widow's house helping her when she's in need helps. They're the, pe they're the people cleaning and they're the people doing things maybe behind the scenes. By the way, we have a brand new life group called Helps Ministry because we think there are men who could help, uh, help widows and we want to we uh, activate those people. We got lots of those. We, matter of fact, we got a very, very, very spiritual life group called Concession Stand. You say, what is that? It's at Whispering Pines every Saturday. There's an opportunity for us to partner with the city and go as a group and help to just shine the light of Christ. You say, how? Nachos and cheese. <laughs> You're laughing. But the choice is simple. Spirit-filled Christ follower, body of Christ, or somebody demonized. Okay, we're, I'm going with the body of Christ. Get the body of Christ in there, shining at an opportunity. Like everybody's wearing these Calvary's church, and they're so happy, and we make more money when you're in here. We're like, I know. <laughs> Why? Jesus. Guys, it's not that difficult for you to understand that you don't diminish your call when your gift is helps. You just say, I'm going to shine right where I am. I'm going to shine. Look at, look at what this, 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 oh, this scripture just penetrated my heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, listen to this. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body. Listen to these words. Just as he pleased. Look at this next verse. This is mind-blowing. And if they were all one member, notice this next word. It says this. Where would the body be? Not what would the body be. Where would the body be? You see, when we get a revelation that we're the body of Christ, that, that we are unique, and that, and, that, and that we have something graced by God to give to the body of Christ, that is the time when the body starts to move in her calling. It says, where would she be if they had not Said yes, and I want to ask this question. All of us, we need this. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and say this. One year from now, where can we be if we all answer God's call on our life? If we all start walking in our God-given call in the body, and we start ministering to one another and and lifting one another up, where will we be? But the other question stands to reason as where. Where will we be if we don't? Where will we be? Probably a lot like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They seem to have the calling. They got the God right, but they're going in circles. 
until a day when people started to come into their place and said, God, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead. I want to step into that promised land. I want to step in to my calling. I want to step into it. And it, it is then that the body moves influentially into her purpose. Let me give you this last thought today, which is probably the most important one of the day. The body of Christ is united with Christ. Um, you know, as a kid, I was a troublemaker. So... Sort of still am, this is what I'm hearing from some of you. And I can remember this time where my best friend's younger brother and his best friend were there and they were just goofing off and getting on our nerves. And my best friend, he had this giant rope out in the yard. I mean, very thick. And I said, guys, we're going to have a contest, the ultimate tug of war. And here's what we did. We wrapped ropes around both of them and stuck them back to back. I said, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to run as fast as you can. As fast as you can. And whoever's the strongest will win. That's not the way physics works. <laughs> we knew that. So we said, go! And they were attached. Run across. And when they reached the end of the rope, both of them lost their feet. And hit the ground. And then we hit the ground, laughing. <laughs> what they didn't realize is how bound to each other they were. Small differences in size? Yeah. It didn't matter. Both of them were stopped immediately and fell to the ground. Church, I believe God wants you to know today how bound you are to Christ. So when there's those times when you're tempted to run the wrong way, and I actually want you to realize today how bound you are to each other so that when your heart starts to get a little hard, you get, a, you get that person who's in your life that says, hey, I love you. I'm here for you. But the great part about being a part of this body, which has many members, is this. Christ is the head. I want you to close your eyes, and we're going to finish the service this way. And just for a moment, don't go to sleep. 
But just for a moment, I want to talk to you about who you're connected to. I want to talk to you today about Christ, your head. The one that you are linked to by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he's our head. He is before all things, and by Him all things are held together. And He is the head of you, the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He has preeminence in all things. Christ, your head. Christ is the one through whom all right thoughts proceed. Flowing from him to you. Christ is the one from whom all right emotions proceed. Jesus is the one through whom all wisdom proceeds. And this is the one who said, I choose you. To be my redemptive expression in the last hour. To show my love. To show my grace. To show my power. I choose you. Jesus is Lord of the church. And when he's Lord. 